JD Talking Sports, Saturday, February 18th, 2017. It was All-Star Saturday night tonight. I just watched Glenn Robinson III just win the dunk contest. Michu and I were listening, we were watching together, and we were giving commentary. Actually, it was kind of fun. Kristop, is it Kristaps? Mr. Porzingis, I'll call him that, it's just easier to say it that. He won the skills contest over 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 Gordon Hayward. It was kind of cool. At the end, they were both going for the three-pointer, and Porzingis nailed it and won it. And there was a beautiful tribute to Craig Sager, where they raised $500,000. They tried to get Steph Curry to hit a half-court shot to get him to 500000 and then Shaq picked up Sager's kid who hit a layup. And I felt really sad. I mean, I felt sad. You know, he's, he's got a young kid who doesn't have a dad anymore. Uh, a lot. It was, it was a nice. It was a nice tribute. It was fun to watch. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Isaac. I can't really talk over you right now. Now, the drama just goes on with the Knicks. Well, this this is an interesting thing about Porzingis. I read today in the Post. You get. Porzingis gets more targets from Brandon Jennings than he does from Derrick Rose. And Porzingis said he'd love to have a better feel for Derrick Rose's game. He's And one NBA source told the New York Post that they don't think that Rose is actually helping with Porzingis's growth because he's going with the head down, going to the basket, Rose is, and he's not really looking for Porzingis. Now, Porzingis' first 32 games was averaging over 20 points a game, 46% shooting. Last 17, 15 and 42% shooting. For the season, he's averaging over 18 and 7 rebounds. He did have 24 in the world versus the, I don't know what that, the, the, the Rising Stars game last night. And also, they've strayed partially from the triangle this year with Hornacek, the Knicks have. And really, you know, and I hear this from all the guys, but Porzingis says stats are secondary as long as they're winning, but they're not even winning. They're 23 and 34. Sorry about that, folks. She got all excited. Just got. Now, the club last year seemed to do more of the triangle than they are doing this year. And even Porzingis says they're not doing it as well this year as last year. He felt that they haven't mastered the nuances, I like that word, of the triangle. And he loves the triangle, Porzingis. He says it's a great offense when it's executed well, but this year they've been going back and forth between the triangle and Hornacek doing more like a pick and roll and all that kind of stuff. And come on, they're 23-34. And I, I didn't agree with Tracy McGrady. He says that, Car- that Carmelo, every night at the Garden, should raz the Zen Master during the games at MSG. And I feel like, you know what? Just let his play do the talk. And he, you know what? Phil Jackson's been going off. A lot of people just saying, you know, enough is enough. And Draymond, you know, Draymond Green, he's pissed off at the treatment of Carmelo. But he says if he goes to the Clippers, he's going to want to kick his butt every time he plays him. And then Carmelo says about going to the Ulster game, it was a downer. I had to cancel my trip. No refunds. It's a good thing about the game. I don't want to seem like I'm not happy about it, but you say one thing here, one thing another. I'm like, I just thought you said you did say it was a downer. You don't want to make it seem like it was, but it, it was a downer, but you had a trip planned and now you can't take the trip. 
I don't know, I'm, I'm getting mixed signals there, Carmelo. You, I would think most guys would kill to be at the All-Star game. You know, that's, that's what you play for. You play for to be honored by your peers. But that's just me. Maybe I don't know this. And I want to see Porzingis. You know, this is the guy they should be building around. I really do. I, th- I don't know if Derrick Rose is the guy to keep around next year. Especially you want a guy that's going to get the ball to Porzingis. Because Porzingis, a big guy, doesn't get the touch. You know, he has to, you know, usually doesn't get in the ball as much. Usually because the ball's not in his hand, you know. But he's a guy I would get the ball in the hands more often. I mean, this is the guy for the future. I mean, I watched him play in the skills competition tonight. And I was like, damn. This guy can dribble, I mean, pass. I mean, he really, I mean, he, he went against Hayward and he just kind of pushed his way through and then he just drained the three. It was cool. Oh, and then Kenny Smith said, you know, luck will have it. He'll try to raise a trophy, drop it, uh, drop it on his foot, break his foot and be out three weeks. He said that's a luck. That's the best thing that's happened to the Knicks this whole season. And then uh, Spike Lee had on the orange glasses. Hey, it's a style thing. That's what that's what Michi said. I said, okay, Michi, I'm going to go with it. If that's a style thing, then I'm going to go with the style thing, and I'm going to respect what you said is a style thing. Not my style; it's his style, and we'll go with that. And then if the I'm sorry, the NBA Players Association said the Oakley Dolan spat could affect future free agent decisions about whether to play for the next. You think? No shit, really. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's going to play. Pay a, it's going to be a huge thing. You know, I mean, if they feel that the star player is being bashed by the president of the Knicks and Dolan isn't even uh, addressing this, well, he said he's staying out of these matters, but he's not even backing up, you know, his star player who has a no-trade clause that Phil Jackson gave him. Why would a free agent want to come here? I mean, it is the greatest place to play in the world, but this team is not a good team right now. But there's someone who's going to want to come. They're going to th- If they can throw the money at someone, someone will come. But I agree, it's it's going to hurt things. Can't help Phil Jackson in that front. And Oakley actually Friday was named a player coach in the three-on-three league founded by Ice Cube that starts its season on June 24th. Hey, good for you. Oakley, if you can get the work, take it. Go for it. And LeBron doesn't have a rivalry, he said, with Steph Curry. He says, we haven't had enough battles. You know, you have played in two straight finals. I don't don't know. You know what? They're just trying to make something out of nothing sometimes. Come on. The NBA will host the second... African game on August 5th in Johannesburg, last played in South Africa 2015. Team Africa will play Team World at Ticket Pro Dome. In, I like that. T- Ticket Pro Dome in Johannesburg. Players, it's going to be played after the f- 15th Basketball Without Borders. It, it will, uh, Borders Africa, and will benefit. So the 15th Basketball Without Borders Africa, and will benefit UNICEF. Nelson Mandela Foundation, and the SOS Children's Villages, South Africa. Team Africa is going to have Bismack, uh, Bayombo, the Orlando Center, and Denver point guard, Emmanuel Mudie. And Team World will have C.J. McCollum from the Blazers. He actually uh, played the three-point contest. Eric Gordon, hometown, the Pelicans, he won the three-point contest. And then, yeah, and then I watched the dunk. And the dunk was won by Glenn Robinson the third. I love that. The third. He had a cool dunk at the end. I don't know how they did it. I mean, he had two guys up. He had Paul George with the ball like on his head, and he jumped over Paul George's shoulders to make it. And then Aaron Gordon tried to do a uh 
a drone that fell to the ground and jumped over. But you know, a lot of stuff right now, Twitter's ripping the dunk contest saying more uh, Twitter rips the dunk contest for wasting their Saturday night, more trash than morning after Mardi Gras. Wow, that's kind of harsh. Yeah, I feel like there's not too much more they can do. I feel like, you know, what else are they going to do on that front? Now, I read this interesting story. You know, you know that I want to thank Scott Cacciola from the New York Times. Now, we talk all the time now about the, the triple-double. Well, this is the thing. Since 1983, the chance of one occurring in a single game, a triple-double, has been just 3.7% once every 27 games. And that's from basketball reference because they've kept ref- references, references records from only that period because that's all they, they that go, so they've kept records since 1983, and it's one every 27 games. Now, this is the thing. Westbrook has 27 so far this season. James Harden has 15. He's second. The rest of the league has a combined for 28. And Westbrook is over 31 points, 10.5 rebounds, and 10.1 assists through 57 games. On pace to tie Ox, Ox, Oscar Livigo, who had a triple-double in 61-62 and set the record for most games of the triple-double. He had 41 that season. And, I mean, he's going to have to do 15 in the next 25 to break that record. And Westbrook, a couple months ago, said, hey, you know, this triple-double thing is kind of getting on my nerves. Now, this is the thing. and So this is what I love about Scott uh, Cacciola from the Times article. He talked about Randy Gomes. He remembers the smallest details of his career. He had an eight-year career. He was a good player, not a great player. But he remembers that when he, how five assists... The night he remembers from is were from Paul Pierce hitting a bunch of shots. Now he remembers how Jamie Young, the team's video coordinator, discreetly told him at halftime that it looked promising, and he remembers how after the game Jeff Twist of the PR department retrieved the ball. Now, when he got the ball a few days later, one of the panels was shaded in a green and white to represent the Celtics, and it featured Gomes statistics for that night: ten points, ten assists, twelve rebounds. And he said, "Not Russell Westbrook numbers, but hey, triple doubles, a triple double." Now, it was a win over the Bobcats in November 2006. He was a solid player, never a star. The triple-double, reaching triple, you know, double double digits in the three major statistical categories. That's points, rebounds, and assists. He was a second-year forward at that time, played eight years, and that was the only one he ever had. You know, he says, a young player kind of solidified the idea. I could stick around for a while. Wow, I've made it. The funny thing is I don't think I ever came remotely close to doing it again. And most players go through an entire career without even getting a triple-double. Since, you know, I, I just said the stats, since 83. So basically one every 27 games. Now consider the plight. There's 100 current and former players since the 1980s, early 1980s. Also, it's like Jerry Stackhouse, Reggie Miller, Sean Kemp, Jerome Kersey, and even Steve Stepanovich and Ben Uzo each had one triple-double. Derek Rose has one triple-double, came when he's playing with the Bulls in 2011. Brandon Jennings... In his first game ever for the Bucks, he had 17 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists. And he said one of his teammates missed a late-game layup that would have resulted in 10th assist. He recalled an interview this month. And then that same teammate stole a rebound away from him, botching you know, his hopes of getting a triple-double. And at the time, it didn't seem like a big deal. He said he was 20 years old, new to the league. Instead, seven years later, he's had one triple-double in 516 career games. One. He had 20 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and a win over win for the Bucks in October 2010. 
Pretty cool, right? Isn't that crazy? First game, he's got one, and then he didn't get. He's got one in five hundred sixteen games. And he, and Jennings has a great appreciation, especially now that he's older. He goes, "Yeah, I mean, I appreciate when they, when I get a double double these days. You know what I'm saying? Anytime I get ten assists, I'm happy." Now Richard Jefferson, he's thirty six year old. He's with the Cavs now. Back in two thousand three, he was a young, you know, second year player with the Nets, and Byron Scott was a team coach. And he was leaning on him for big moment, big big minutes against the Rockets because Kenyon Martin, who was a star on the Nets back then, was out. And he goes, I was a young kid playing with a lot of energy. And the Nets were in control through the second half, and teammates became aware that Jefferson was close, closing in on a, you know, the numbers. And Kidd, who would go on to have 107 triple-doubles, third behind Robertson with 181 and Magic with 138, was a Nets point guard. And Jefferson recalled how Kidd guided him through the experience. He was nudging me like, hey, you need two more rebounds, said Jefferson. And so Jefferson scored 30 that point that night, 11 assists and 10 rebounds in 47 minutes. And Brian Shaw, now he's the associate head coach of the Lakers. He was former head coach of the Nuggets. And he was, at one time, I thought he was going to be the next head coach. He actually got a triple-double off the bench. He had 11 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists for the Magic in a blowout win against the Clippers in December 95. And that was the only triple-double of his career, and it's off the bench. And he wasn't even, he said he was unaware of what he'd done until after the game. He said at the time, everything wasn't so stat-driven. They kept track of, every, you know, now every little thing to keep track of. Now then you think of Anthony Bowie, Shaw's teammate. He pulled off the most notorious triple-double in league history. Orlando's up 20 against the Pistons, grabbed his 10th rebound, and he's aware of the needs and assists to complete his triple-double. He called for a timeout with 2.7 seconds left. And people were pissed. Doug Collins was so irate in protest, he had his players stand near the opposite basket at Bowie passed to a wide-open teammate for the 10th assist. And before the final buzzer even sounded, they stormed off the court. And Anthony Bowie was like, hey, this is a chance to get a triple-double. But it still you know, kind of felt, well, you know how it felt. Now, the two teams met again in the first round of the playoffs, and Shaw said, oh, yeah, we smashed them. We smashed them. <laughs> Pretty funny, right? Now, Rose is a guy who doesn't really care. He got his against the Grizzlies in January 2011. He had 22 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds. And he said, you know, statistics mean little to him, and that includes triple-doubles. It's not, he said, it's not my game. I think everyone knows how hard it is, but you just got to be a unique talent to get that. Jose Calderon, a point guard, now in his 12th season, he's a member of a more rarefied club. He has two career triple-doubles. But both came within a five-week stretch of the 2012-13 season. He's now comes off the bench for the Lakers, but then he was playing for the Raptors. He remembers the first one because the Raptors broke a four-game losing streak. And he remembers the second because he got an errant three-pointer with three and a half seconds left for his 10th rebound. He said, hey, it's hard to get 10 rebounds because I'm not the most athletic guy going over people. And he has both game balls and a trophy case at home. He goes, hey, I'm proud of my two. Now, Randy Gomes has a spot in a semi-exclusive club. He is one of five players with triple doubles in both the NBA and the NBA D-League. Nine years after his triple-double with the Celtics, he had one for the Los Angeles defenders of the D-League, going for 18 points, 18 rebounds, 10 assists, and a win against the Reno Bighorns. I'm not making these names up, folks. And now he's an assistant coach for the D-League's Long Island Nets. He said, but for one night, he savored the experience. All the stuff was clicking that game. I thought that was kind of cool. And to think about that, that the two of them combined, what do they have? 20, they have 42 combined, Harden, 
and Westbrook and the rest of the league. They have 42 and the rest of the league has 28 combined triple-doubles this season, which still seems like a lot, right? That, that, that seems like a lot for a season. One every 27 games. Wait, that can't be. Can it be? Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. I want, I want to read that again. Yeah, with 20 this season, James Harden has said, the rest of the league has combined for 28. That seems like a lot, though. Oh, one every 27 games. Okay, wait, no, that, no, that makes sense. Well, if there's 27 games each team plays, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. All right, now, Gonzaga is now 28-0. They beat Pacific 82-61. Nigel Williams got at 18 points, fifth team in the last 35 years to start a season 28-0. They're 16-0. And Pacific filled a 10-19, and 4-12 in conference. They're in the West Coast Conference. And Pitt beat FSU second straight loss, 80-66 behind Sheldon Jeter's 29. FSU's Dwayne, I'm sorry, Dwayne Bacon. You know what I think of Dwayne? I think of what's happening. Had zero points. FSU lost last Saturday to ND. Two straight losses. FSU falls to twenty-one and six, nine and five in the conference. Pitt fifteen and twelve, four and ten. And how about this? UConn women hundred first straight win, but they only beat Tulane sixty-three sixty, which was their second smallest margin of victory during the, during the streak. And actually, in the second half, they got outscored forty-two twenty-five, forty-two thirty-five by seven, after outscoring Tulane twenty-nine eighteen in the first half. The game was played in Tulane, but how about that? 60-60. I, I, I thought I was, it was a misprint. Uh, Navisa Collier had 26. Colby Morgan had 19 for Tulane. Katie Samuels had 17. And Gabby Williams had 9 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists. UConn improves to 26-0, 13-0 in the AAC. Tulane falls to 16-11, 7-7. But they played a slowdown game, it looked like. And I, I was like, wow, second half, they got outscored. Gino's going to run them to death. And UNC... Hey, at home today, beat UVA 65-41. Mariel Shayok had 13 for UVA. Justin Jackson had 20. UNC 22-5, 10-3 in the conference. UVA falls to 18-7, 8-5. And if I stand correct, UVA shot 2 for 20. UVA for three, yeah, two for 20 for three-pointers. You're not going to win too many games. And they and 15, they shot 28% from the field and two for 20 from threes. You're not winning too many games. UNC 22 and five, 10 and three in the conference. Wow. UNC, come on, keep on winning, baby. And FDU today, damn, lost again. Lost again. They were eight and one in the conference. Now they are nine and seven. They dropped to their tied for fourth in the NEC. They were eight and one. Now they're nine and seven. They're tied for fourth with Wag. With I'm sorry, Saint Francis. I want to get my teams right. Yeah, I was ticked. They are tied with yes. I'm sorry, Saint Francis of Pennsylvania. Nine and seven, they they were in second place. LA Brooklyn's blown by them. They're eleven and five now in the conference. 
Mount St. Mary's improved to 13 and three tops in the conference, 15 and 14 overall. They were led by Elijah Long, 29.6 rebounds, five assists. Mike Holloway led FDU with 18.8 rebounds, two assists. No bench scoring for FDU. They've lost six of the last seven. And they 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 won the rebound battle. They won the points off turnover battle. Both teams shot over fifty percent. FDU was fifty percent, five of ten from threes. Tough loss. Actually, it was one point at the end, and I thought they might get a winning shot, but they ended up losing by four seventy nine seventy four. Darian Anderson had seventeen. Darnell Edge had fifteen. Stephon Jiggets had eleven. Earl Potts at 13, and no bench scoring. Tough loss, man. That is a tough loss. Yeah, I actually wanted to check. I thought maybe, then I was going to check free throws. Well, they got outscored by, they're pretty even on free throws. Mount St. Mary's was 22-32. Philly Dickinson was 19-24. Well, what am I? What do I know? I just, I'm just like, man, they were eight and one, and now they're. It's tough. It's just tough. It's tough. All right, we got some baseball. Zach Wheeler bullpen session today or tomorrow? Tomorrow, today or Sunday? No soreness Thursday after he played catch. David Wright. He's scheduled to throw for the first time Sunday since surgery last June for herniated disc in his neck. Now he's been fielding grounders, hitting and running in workouts, but first time throwing. Let's hope everything goes well. Also. They have Sherlock, the new catching guru, who's working with Travis Darnot. Last year, they threw out 25% of base dealers below the 28% Major League Baseball average. We shall see if it'll pay off. Now, the Yankees, how about this? Dellen Batances lost his arbitration hearing. He gets $3 million instead of $5 million. Still, that's the most ever by a, by a non-reliever in a first-time eligible, first-time arbitration eligible to, to get that kind of money. I mean, yeah, that's money usually reserved for closers. Now, he, he's saying that the, the team trashed him in the case, Potenza says, and free agency will be easier. And I even read somewhere that he said he might limit his own pitch count. Like, he, I, I mean, he can't do that. But he's kind of pissed. And now Yankee President Randy Levine criticized uh, – Potenza's agent for taking the team to arbitration and asking for money, usually reserved for closers, which he was at the end of the year. But they did bash him, saying that base dealers went 21 for 21 against him this past season. Said, uh, request a little sense of reality from him, the reliever. He went 3-6 and six last year, Potenza's 3-0-8 ERA, 12 saves and 17 chances. And, he's, and Randy Levine said he was speaking publicly because he loves Potenza's. sees a lot written about the animosity Feels Yank did right things go into arbitration. Hey, my guess is he's done. He's gone. When free agency happens, you know, or, well, but then money might cure all. I don't know, but he he was pissed. He was pissed, Batances. And he's still getting $3 million, man. He made over, he made $507,500 last year, man. It's still a win-win. But I don't know how these arbitration hearings don't hurt guys. Guys remember stuff, man. And they talk about what the deficiencies on the players. Not good, man. Not good at all. And I, I thought this was interesting. Daniel Murphy said he learned a lot from David Wright. He said, trying to win and playing hard, attain, which are attainable goals, also not giving away any at-bat, staying completely engaged for 27 outs. 
that, that, that I thought was interesting. Staying, staying completely engaged for 27 outs. Wright taught him what, what, what it looked like to be a pro. And I thought that was interesting where, you know, Daniel Murphy was saying all this stuff. He said, you know, and I agree, you should be engaged the whole game. You're re- it is a thing. It, it's a challenge. It's a grind, man. 162 games, you know, not giving away an at-bat, standing completely engaged for 27 at-bats, 27 outs. You know, I mean, come on. These are, these are things that are important. I think this is, these are all good things. Now, okay, now Major League Baseball in arbitration this year, 8-7, and seven, they went against the players. Most since the clubs won 10 of 16 and 94. Also, players last year won 3 of 4. Now, teams are 310 wins versus 231 losses in salary arbitration since 1974. Players usually don't win, right? I mean, that has to be the case. Usually, it has to be the owners. Now, Seattle this year, 13 off-season trades by the GM Jerry DePoto. Now, it's been a 15-season playoff drought for the Mariners. Longest active streak in baseball. And actually they have a trident now upside down, which they thought was bad luck, but they're going to go with it anyway with the new, they're going back to the old look. Now, Robinson Cano, Felix Hernandez, Nelson Cruz, and Kyler, Kyle Seeger make $572 million combined in their contracts. And you have Cano, Hernandez, and Cruz all entering the 13th season. So the window is shutting on these guys. Now they had the worst offensive offense, I'm sorry, outfield defense in the AL last season. And then he had Felix Hernandez last season who dealt with calf injury and declining velocity. He went to a trainer that Cano recommended in New York to work on his legs, and they said his legs are stronger than they've been in a long time. Had an ERA of 3.82 last year and the highest base on ball and rate, which was not good for him, and the lowest K rate of his career last season. So high base on balls, low strikeouts, not good. And the four other teams in the AL West have combined for 21 playoff appearances, which averages about the three per team since the Mariners last made the playoffs 15 years ago and counting. Well, we'll see what happens this year. And Michaela Schifrin, how about this for Olympics, won her third straight world slalom title, 21 years old, as she's won every world championship in the event that she's entered since 2013. Ms. Schifrin, congratulations. You won for a very long and great career. And I thought this was kind of cool. English in the Premier League. First time a non-league club team in a, since 1914 when the Queen Parks Rangers they made the FA Cup quarterfinals. They won one nothing over Burnley. A guy Sean Raggett's 89th minute scored off a header. They had some dude who was a monster who looked like the old looked like a football player committee of the guys. And it was the first non-league. You know, since the current structure was put in place in 1925, as I said, Queen Park Rangers in 1914 was the last to get to that stage of competition. Now, Burnley had won seven of the last eight home matches in all competitions. The FA Cup is the oldest club competition in the world. And this is Burnley's a team that drew with the Premier League leader, Chelsea, last weekend. Now, Lincoln striker... Matt Reed, four years ago, was working for a company that made construction machinery. And another guy, Nathan Arnold, a winger, he worked as a hairdresser in his spare time, was a constant threat down the right side with his pace. I mean, this, and this is the thing. In the English soccer pyramid, Burnley and Lincoln are separated by 81 places. That's huge. Now, Lincoln has made nearly 1 million pounds, which is about 1.24 million 
in American dollars from the cup run. They're in the black for the first time in years, and more cash is coming its way after the quarterfinals. And another non-league club, Sutton, hosts Arsenal in the fifth-round match on Monday. I don't think that would be shocking. Arsenal's a powerhouse. But I thought that was kind of cool. You know, I mean, remember Leicester City won the Premier League last year. But this is a team that's not even, I mean, they're not even in the top five. Yeah, they're the fifth-tier leader. Fifth-tier I mean, this is and and they shouldn't even be they in in this competition doing this well. And they've been playing some good soccer. They beat two other teams in the second division to get to the to get to get to play Burnley. I mean, that's impressive. And they had like three thousand of the fans of the game. I love stuff like that. I do. I think it's awesome. I think that's awesome. All right, now. Trivia question from last show. Who has the most total Grand Slam titles in the history of tennis? Now, I meant singles, doubles, mixed. Margaret Court, 62 in singles, doubles, and mixed. Serena has 30, 62 for Margaret Court. And tonight's, tri- tonight's trivia question. Russell Westbrook hasn't had a triple-double against three teams. Can you name them? Who are the three teams that Russell Westbrook has never had a triple-double against? All right, tomorrow night we have the All-Star Game, 8 o'clock. I think it's on TNT. And some college basketball. It's kind of a slow day tomorrow. I was watching some boxing. There was a little, yeah, I was watching a little boxing on Showtime tonight. And uh, baseball, spring training. There's some games starting the 24th. I will be back tomorrow. There'll be something for me to talk about. Have a great night. Talk to you soon. Peace out.